Yeah, well, mine's only small, but it's straight to the point and powerful. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Avatar. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. And I'm Austin. And just like Avatar, we want you to enter our world. (laughs) That's not not such a bad one. (laughs) It's not that bad, is it? It's getting better, isn't it? Okay, so uh, listen, if you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. But... It's not as simple as that. Also, we have... Well, it actually is as simple as that. Isn't it? I say that every week. Every week. Yeah, every week the last like, 40 just... episodes, you've said it's exactly as simple as that. It is as simple as that. But what I meant to say is there's additional stuff like caption contest, songs, impressions, uh, some news, a quiz, and a hell of a lot of banter as well. So please uh, stay tuned. Also, our friend and music producer, Austin Ray, has just returned from Japan and he's brought us all back a lovely, delicious treat it's a wasabi flavored Kit Kat. So we're each going to eat one of these Kit Kats during the uh, podcast at some point. So if there's a horrible reaction somewhere, uh, it's because of that. <laughs> um, so without further hesitation, I think it's time for a little bit of news. Hang on. That's probably the worst one, yeah. That is probably the worst one. So uh, you uh, you can probably guess what that was. I'm blue, devotee, devotee. Yeah, it was supposed to be, yeah. I I was originally going to do the theme from Avatar, but then I remembered that it's very generic and forgettable. (laughs) I'm writing that. No, no, I'm not writing that. So uh, all we do here is we go around in a circle and we discuss some noteworthy items that have happened this week. So, without further hesitation, I think, Joel, you wanted to speak first. Didn't you watch your little bit of news? Um, well, it's only tiny, but I saw a little post from Robert Downey Jr. And he, he basically mentioned that he may get working on um, Sherlock Holmes 3. Mm. But but the thing that was interesting was that he said previously he hasn't had time to do it. Yeah. So it, it could be that, you know, his Marvel contract's coming to an end or something like that. He got, her, it, uh, he got a tattoo as well, didn't he, just recently? Yeah. Which kind of felt a bit... Like a, because obviously he's constantly working on Marvel films, even if it's not Iron Man, he's always in something. Yeah, one mm. of the other ones is like a, a another character. So I thought that was quite interesting. I liked the original, but Sherlock Holmes two was pretty shit. But it wasn't really the fact that he was making a third one. I just thought it was some of his quotes were quite were quite interesting. When what's he spoke uh, about it. what's the tattoo? It was like um, so it was like the Avengers, the Avengers A. And then some weird side. With, with, with the six, like a, wasn't it? Because yeah, the it was six, um, yeah, yeah. the six original Avengers, five of them got a tattoo with A and the six on. Wow. So, like some sort of symbolic yeah. thing. So, maybe. who didn't get on board with that? Who didn't do it? Mark Ruffalo. Really? Yeah, uh, maybe he was just busy or maybe he didn't want a tattoo. I don't know what it was, but yeah, it was uh, the other five. Maybe, like, they, uh, maybe he just said CGI onto me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, they ring him up. At the same time or something, or they they did like a video oh, message to him or something. And he yeah, just drew so. it on with a biro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I find this news hard to believe, to be honest, because Guy hasn't uh, been in touch with me. He hasn't given me a ring to ask if I want to be <laughs> Since you worked with him on Sherlock Holmes 1. <laughs> Since I worked with him on Sherlock Holmes 1. Yeah. Uh, there was a point uh, when we were filming Sherlock Holmes where, you know, like kind of, where were we? Me, me, and, me, and, me and Rob. Uh, <laughs> me and, me and, <laughs> me and Andy Rob J. And, and Drew. Uh, um, so, yeah. 
You arrive on set at like five o'clock in the morning or whatever. It's like in November, it's absolutely freezing. You're knackered. Extra work's just really boring. You just got to stand around a lot all day, essentially. So I'm stood there and it's about, you know, 2 p.m. I'd been up on my feet absolutely all day, bitterly frozen. And some guy just kind of stands in front of me. And just out the corner of my eye, I recognize him. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, it must have been one of the guys I was speaking to on the bus there this morning. So I gave him the nod as if to say, all right, mate. <laughs> and then I realized it was Guy Ritchie. <laughs> and he looked at me as if to say, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Why are you letting on to yeah, me? And, and I was kind of a bit embarrassed at first. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I let on to Guy Ritchie and he didn't acknowledge me. And then I was a bit annoyed because I was like, the polite thing to do, even if you don't know the guy, is nod to back. just give them a little nod back, isn't it? You know, how's it going, mate? I'm all right, mate. Easy as that. You know, no dialogue needed. So screw you, Guy Ritchie, pal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, so uh, my bit of news for the week was that just a couple of hours ago, Sylvester Stallone has actually uh, uploaded a photo onto his Instagram account, which is basically him looking very buff, stabbing the ground with a big knife with the words Rambo 5 superimposed over it. So it looks like we're getting Rambo 5. How do people feel about that? I'm just watching Joel's wasabi reaction right now. <laughs> Joel, I mean, Joel, doesn't taste the... very wasabi-like, to be fair. Doesn't it? Just tastes it. like... Honestly, if I close my eyes, I'd just think that was a normal Kit Kat. All right. He, he I... might be misleading us. How ungrateful, eh, Austin? <laughs> <laughs> no, it... What do you think yeah. about the film, then? <laughs> <laughs> You've got no opinion on the Kit Kat. You might as well talk about the film. <laughs> I've literally the Kit Kats wiped my mind. I forgot what film we were Rambo, 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 Rambo Five. So, so Rambo Five, yeah. So, so um, Dave, Dave yeah, you're, you're a Rambo fan, aren't you? But yeah, do you I quite think, like the films. Do, do you think? I mean, do you think that we need a fifth Rambo? No, no, not at all. Um, I think I, I like Sylvester Stallone, and I think when he brought back uh, Rocky, now he's making the Creed films, mm. and I think that is that is the way to use his character. You know, he's kind of old and disheveled, and he's kind of like you know a, a lion towards the end of his life sort of thing. That is a great role for Sylvester Stallone to be playing because it suits his age. Going back to war as John Rambo is not a suitable thing for, for Sylvester Stallone to be doing. Creed, it works bringing back Rocky, but it doesn't work for, uh, for, for Rambo. I don't think I'm looking at Gav's face now. It's like, it's yeah. like an aftertaste of like yeah. an ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not very nice, actually. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for nothing, Austin. Go <laughs> yeah, all that way and bring us back absolute shite. <laughs> I'm going to get on board with this now. I'm going to try mine. Is there a chance that Rocky's... Gonna be, he's going to be old. Sorry, not Rocky. Uh, Rambo. He's going to. He's got to be old in that as well, hasn't he? I but don't know what he could be yeah. about, but well, maybe it's. He looked pretty buff in the in, in the photo. I must say. Yeah, but in Rambo Four, he looked way past it yeah. in Rambo Four, and that was what two thousand and seven or oh, some, shit, some, yeah, some, yeah. something around then. So like eleven years ago, and honestly, that film was just shockingly shit. Like yeah. I, I'm not a massive Rambo fan anyway, but like that film. It was just that his values were just awful. You know, he goes to Burma and basically just blows everyone away. <laughs> like, it's honestly disgusting. Like Him and Alfred from Batman Begins. Got some war crimes in Burma. So give us a brief synopsis of Rambo 4, please, Brucey. Uh, Rambo 4, I don't know, something... There's some people like... Oh, yeah, there's aid workers that need to be taken into Burma. And they're really nice people who want to help people. But Rambo knows better, knows what the world's like, and it's just like, no, don't help people. You want to shoot them, basically. So he just starts shooting, basically, a ton of people. Um, At one point, he actually grabs someone's throat. I remember watching it just being like, what's he going to do next? Just rips it out with his bare hands. Wow. And at the end is the aid worker who's been saying like, no, Rambo, you shouldn't go around shooting people all the time. Like, it's, it's probably not the way to do things. And at the end, like his character arc is that he ends up like jumping on a soldier, basically, and this aid worker just smashes him to death with a rock. <laughs> and, and Rambo comes up and gives him a big manly nod like, yes, you're a man now. You know? <laughs> wow. Oh. 
Well, so, uh, so thank you very I, much yeah, for I that. I can't see stuff. what's going to go wrong with it. I just <laughs> cannot see what could go wrong. And, and no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very sceptical. But, you know, he's been very selective recently, Sylvester Sloan, with his film choices. So you imagine that maybe he's, he's left it this long because he's been waiting for the best script. Are you sure it's selective or just that he can't get any work? <laughs> yeah, I think that might be it. And, yeah. and now he's run out of money. <laughs> right, well, thank you very much, guys. Uh, just one question, though. Can you smell that? slowed it down so I get it this week I blame the angle I blame my fat fingers I blame the small buttons on the organ you know what it's a, screw it I think we should have like a thing where unless you play it perfectly we just skip it <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's <laughs> a lot of pressure we might have to introduce that next week but Austin come on tell us what our mate The Rock's been up to this week I have totally just gone blank about what we've spoken about five minutes of previous <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, oh, Joe yes. Yeah. So The Rock, yeah, he's, um, he's, like, he's been lined up for G.I. Joe 3. So uh, it's quite quite exciting, I think. <laughs> it's going to be another another classic rock movie. He's going to be, you know, expanding to new heights. What sort of characters do you think he'll play? <laughs> <laughs> A very diverse, deep character. Versatile, versatile yeah. actor. He is very versatile. He is, isn't So he? did anybody watch G.I. Joe 1 or 2? I actually did. One? And I think... G- there's only a few films that have ever made this list for me, but it's one that I was turned off after about 10 minutes because it was that shit. Yeah. I think I watched it all the way through and I don't remember a single thing yeah. in it. Like, not one thing. Channing Tatum's in it. That's it. So, the second one is notable because the first G.I. Joe film was a bit of a blockbuster failure and I don't think it made a lot of money back. So, this, the writers, I think, when whichever studio bought the rights had bought, like, a, a three or a five film deal. I reckon three, cause, and that's the reason they're trying to push this out. Uh, so they needed to make a second one, but the first one didn't do that well. So they decided to get some new writers in and completely kill off all of the original cast in about the first 10 minutes and bring in a new cast that featured The Rock and Bruce Willis. However, at the same time they were doing that, Jan and Tatum absolutely blew up. You know, he, he was in Jump Street, 21 Jump Street, and he was also in Magic Mike. He became a massive, massive celebrity. And they were like, oh, we don't want to kill off one of the biggest stars in this film in the first 10 minutes. So they had to go back and do all these reshoots to kind of force in these scenes with Chan and Tatum that didn't make any sense. You know, Chan and Tatum babysitting the Rock's kids, Chan and Tatum eating some food, you know, and it was just felt very, very, very forced. It was almost like they were just following Chan and Tatum around with a camera and just like trying to edge it into the film somewhere. So uh, it wasn't a great film in the end either. So that's why it's probably been that long since the third one's been announced. But... If The Rock's in it, then it's going to be good. Isn't that right, Brucey? Uh, doesn't I've, sound like The Rock to attach himself to a shit action franchise. <laughs> hey, but he hasn't attached himself yet. There's, there's rumours that they're trying to get him in for the third one, so it might be a case that he doesn't actually go for it. Are you sure he just doesn't find failed action franchises and just send off a bunch of emails with his CV? Yeah, and, <laughs> and a price tag. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're I mean. beginning to sound a lot like Alex, you know. It's... <laughs> but I think it's going to be good. I've just read some trivia about the, uh, that re- retaliation. And um, I didn't realise, but so The Rock plays a guy called Roadblock. Yeah. And obviously The Rock's um, catchphrase is, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? And Roadblock in the comics was a chef. That's brilliant. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> also, The Rock is as big as a roadblock. Ah, it so, works on so many levels. Exactly. See, Brucey, you fucking skeptic. Well, and that, that is a dictionary <laughs> you definition are so black of tenuous. <laughs> like you, you two guys are so black and white. It's either you're against the rock or you're for him. Like, right? <laughs> right, anyway, thank you very much, Austin, for that rock news. Uh, before we call it close to the news, though, Alex, I think there's something that you want to discuss in this week's film feels. Play the play the tune. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. Um, right, uh, yeah, no, so this week, um, recently, through no fault of my own, I became very hungover. And I was wondering, does anyone, what's their favourite film to watch when they are hungover? Mm. Um, oh, right. I uh, Alex, didn't you watch Avatar when you were hungover as well? Yeah, yeah. But I'll, 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 st- I'll keep it away from Avatar. I'll get the ball rolling. For me, I'm stay away. We'll, we'll get into that soon. Uh, for me, it's anything by Disney. Basically anything that's got like a nice story that makes you feel like warm and better and everything's good. That's yeah, my favourite. I, I think that's, that's good to be honest, like a good Disney film. I haven't been hungover in a while to be honest, but when I, when I do get hungover, it's something like, um, I, I, anything with Robin Williams in really. I think like Mrs. Doubtfire or Jumanji, like kind of like... The Birdcage. Yeah, the, yeah, the Birdcage, just like kind of quirky sort of comedies, maybe anything like 90s with Jim Carrey in it as well. I was just about to say, probably Dumb and Dumber for me. Yeah, good one. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah like a, just an easy comedy. Easy yeah. going. I just feel Jim Carrey would make a hangover worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, you watching Avatar makes a hangover worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how long was the hangover? Nearly three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, right. <laughs> just, 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 leaving just, just leaving it there. Being a bigger man. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, right, okay, so we're going to call a close to the news section. Thank you very much, guys. I'm not going to try and play I'm Blue because I've already forgotten it. Basically, <laughs> I, I learned that about like what four seconds before we actually started the show, so it's probably going to be embarrassingly terrible again. So anyway, without further hesitation, we're going to move on to the film on trial, which, as I said before, this week is Avatar. Now, what happens here is we pull the films out of the hat at random, and we also pull the roles out of the hat at random as well. Now, in the role of defense, it's going to be Alex, and his main job is going to be trying to get the film placed on the hit list. In the role of prosecution, it's going to be me, and my job is to get the film placed on the shit list. Then we've got the character witnesses, which are Joel and Austin, and their job is to lend their genuine opinion to either side of the argument to throw a little bit of weight behind it. And then in the most important role of the show is Dave, who's going to be playing our judge. And his role is to listen to the arguments and decide which list the film should be placed on based solely on the arguments and not using his own opinion. And I will like to remind our very handsome judge uh, to think about the time that I actually put Watchmen on the hit list and not think about the time that I put The Hateful Eight on the shit list. Uh, I don't believe you did. You put, you put Tree of Life on the hit list. Oh, Alex, Alex, Alex put Hateful Eight on the shit list. I did. I did. did. Bullshit, yeah. Did. I forgot, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, before we get started, though, uh, let's have a bit of a uh, impressions. What do, what do we usually call this bit? I the Wheel remember. of Impressions. The Wheel of Impressions. Oh, hang on. Much better than what I get. <laughs> you remembered which button the theme tune is, but you couldn't remember what the segment was called. <laughs> <laughs> I was spo- I was stolen. I was Timothy Spolin. <laughs> okay, right. Um, Can we have? Uh... <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know. I don't even. How many fucking sound effects do we need? <laughs> right, out of control. Okay, uh, and it lands on Captain Dave. 
Okay. Oh, oh. Someone's going to have to pass me the synopsis. <laughs> okay, so uh, any any ideas what the synopsis um, is, is, is going to be read out? Uh, like I think we week? maybe play it safe and Stephen Lang, if you're happy with that. That though. is probably the safest. Yes. Of all the cast, that is probably the <laughs> safest option. Do Sam Worthington's Australian doing an American accent? Oh, I'll take a pass on that. <laughs> uh, I'm getting that ashtray thing from the Wasabi Kit Kats, by the yeah. way. I see what you mean. Yeah, I see yeah. what you mean. They're not bad, but yeah, ashtray thing. Quite like it, but also not okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to make an avatar joke about that. <laughs> right. Uh, so Stephen Lang, kind of gruff military yeah. American. It's a, like a, 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 this is essentially Walton Goggins meets Rorschach Do from it. my previous yes. impressions. Yeah. Nailed those. So it's like uh, a paraplegic marine dispatched to the moon of Pandora on a unique mission becomes torn between following his orders and protecting the world he feels is his home. Oh, yeah. Loved that's it. That's good. Yeah, that's good. good. I think Dave's best at impressions, to be fair. You, uh, Provided been, they've, they've been pretty generous deep so military. <laughs> How dare you? Right, hey, right. I didn't see maybe you d- maybe, up. Maybe Dave oh. should play the, uh, the the little keyboard thing as well. <laughs> don't, don't bring but, me into hey, this job. Hey, maybe, maybe I shoved that little keyboard at your ass and you tried playing with them, Paul. Look, look what happened. Look what happened. Anyway, Dave. Thanks, thanks for getting proper riled up. <laughs> that blood's are boiling now. Dave, uh, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Yeah, certainly. Okay, so Avatar. I've seen this film once. Uh, so I think I'm in a good place. <laughs> I think I'm in a good place to judge this because I thought it was quite good, but for the life of me, I do not know why it's so revered. So Alex, you need to point that out to me. Gav, you need to tell me why my preconceptions might be right. Uh, when I first saw Avatar, I've got to tell you, I went to the cinema and I felt incredibly sick. Not because of the film, but because I was watching it in 3D, having eaten a bag of Revels to myself and had about four pints. Yeah. So that yeah, is my, do it. <laughs> that is my lasting memory of Avatar, feeling very queasy during that final battle sequence. So uh, I will try not to let that influence let the situation. It, let it go. Let to it Dave, go. Dave, it wasn't the Revels or the pints. Just <laughs> it, it, it was the film. It was the film. <laughs> okay, so who would like to go first? Defense or prosecution? Oh, really? Oh, wow. you actually yeah. letting me there talk. You go. Okay, there well, you go. Okay, Defense, great. you're no, up. Perfect. I will. Uh, okay, the first thing I'm going to talk about is what this film got the Oscar for, the visual <laughs> effects. What? <laughs> okay. The visual effects. Like, the visual effects are completely spectacular. Uh, this, they spent 18 months solely on the design here. That's what James Cameron took a team and they went designing the entire world, basically, from its animals to its plant life to geographical features. It's an incredibly well-realised world. I don't think there's ever been... I would say there's never been an alien planet that's been as well-realised as the one that Pandora. I can't really think of any other that has been done as well. Um, you know, for, for, considering you start the film, and it's, you know, for me, I would say Gav will very much disagree. It's only two and a half hours long. <laughs> you know, oh my God. It wasn't, it, it, it's not an awful lot of time to get to know an entire alien race, to know a planet, and to, and to really immerse yourself. But wow, this film just gets you like, just gets you cracking in. And, you know, it completely deserved the Oscar for visual effects. The, the, I don't think these visual effects have really been matched since for me. You know, it's perfect sci-fi. And it's not just visual effects for CGI's sake. You know, it's to create something absolutely superb. For me, the best effects were the Navi themselves. You know, this is the, the blue alien race that live on Pandora. You know, the, most, the motion capture is the best I've ever seen. And that's so critical to the film because some of the performances in this are absolutely fantastic. For me, for my money, the best performance in the film is Zoe Saldana. She's absolutely fantastic as Neytiri. You know, her role is absolute... 
it, it's key because you know she is the she, she is the the Navi basically. She's she's the one that we sort of know to sort of to enter this world and to see their to see their you know their their way of life basically. And she's got so much commitment to this role that you can see as well. Like she she threw herself in in, in the preparation for this role as well. She went in went for it, you know. And it's not just her performance as an avatar as well. It's Sam Worthington's is fantastic. Um, where's Studi? Love where Studi, you know, it's just good to see him in any film. He's fantastic in that as the chief and CCH Pounder as well. She's fantastic as the, you know, it's a, uh, as the sort of well, no, as the as the priestess of the of the clan as well. Like you've got to remember, this film is, you know, like I say, it's only two and a half hours film as as I see it. And uh, what they've done is they've for eighteen months they thought perfectly about doing a perfect balance of the familiar and the alien. So it's an alien world, and a lot is very different. So you know the, the sort of bioluminescence of the planet is done perfectly. The creatures are very alien as well, but actually there's a lot familiar in the film that allows you to enter into the world. You know, I, I think it can you can sort of look past that and see it's an incredibly immersive experience. So, for example, an RV are clearly based on indigenous peoples, for example, in uh, Native American, but there's so much twi- added to it, for example. The language was completely... It was a thousand words created by a, a linguistic expert. Um, you know, the belief system is obviously mirrored a lot in environmentalism. and uh, but So it's familiar, but it's also sort of alien to us as well. Uh, it, it's obviously been very cleverly done. You know, a lot of James Cameron was... They were toying with the ideas of turning the sky purple completely. They were thinking about doing all, all of these different things, but they didn't. They decided, you know, it would be too challenging for the um, for the audience, basically. So they've just got the the difference between the familiar and the alien absolutely spot on. So the visual effects are absolutely incredible. I think a lot of the criticism this film comes in for as well is that it's a derivative and that it's quite a simplistic plot. I, I don't find that at all myself. I think because what you're here to see is the alien world of Pandora and you're here to engage with it and you're here to you're there to completely immerse yourself in it. So if it was a complicated story, it actually wouldn't allow you to do it. So it's a simple story, but that doesn't mean it's not a strong, good story. It's an absolutely fantastic story. It's really it is it is a simple story, but that doesn't make it you know that 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 isn't a, a negative for me at all. I'll probably go into performances a little bit later. You know, if we're talking about whether this is a hit film, there are some just basic facts about this film. You know, it's it absolutely smashed records that were set by James Cameron himself with Titanic. You know, I think it crossed the seven billion no, not seven billion seven hundred million uh, mark, the fastest. Um, it was a 240 million budget, which is incredibly large, but it made just all that money back worldwide as well. You've got to remember, Avatar was a global phenomenon, like an absolutely huge phenomenon. A real love, a real sort of a labour of love from uh, James Cameron as well. He even said he was going to forego his director's fee if it was a, a, a flop. It was the first um, movie to cross the two billion mark uh, worldwide. I, 32 days it took to reach 500 million you know th- this film is loved across the planet you know this is true some films just desperately want to hit into the chinese markets into the asian markets this film is just loved all all over the shop basically i won't talk for too much longer but 
Another criticism that um, Avatar comes into as well is that it kind of doesn't have a point yet. It's all visual and it's all spectacular and it's all pretty, but what's the point of it? I couldn't disagree more with Avatar. Like, again, like I'm saying, it's not, they're not complex points. They're very simple, but they're very strong messages. There's a real clear environmental message, pro-environment, you know, pro environment, but do you know what I mean? It's a very strong conservation message that goes through it. And some of the dialogue's absolutely fantastic. Sigourney Weaver has some of the f- fantastic lines. She says, the, world, the wealth of this world isn't in the ground, it's all around us. You know, uh, Sam Worthington, when he's saying how the Na'vi are never going to be, you know, they're never going to be assimilated into wanting to be in a, you know, into human civilization. It's like, what can we offer them? Light beer and blue jeans. You know, they, 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 it's just really great, um, strong environmental message to it. It's also got what I think is quite a political message as well at, at, at the time. So, you know, it, a lot about sort of what corporations, it's a lot about, um, you know, colonialism basically in the past and in the present. So for me, I just think this is an absolutely fantastic film. It's got so many, it's, the visual effects are amazing. You immerse yourself completely and it's got a point as well. So for me, this is, yeah, it, it's an absolutely perfect blockbuster. I wish more blockbusters were like Avatar. Okay, very impassioned arguments from Alex there. So, Gav, I'd imagine you've got something to say to a few of those points. What a complete crock of shit. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. <laughs> crock of, of shit. shit, I think it was. Okay, yeah. continue. Okay, so Avatar is the most financially successful film of all time. That is true. But does that mean it's any good? Definitely not. Alex's point there about it being the most financially successful film of all time, and that's the reason that it's hit, is completely ludicrous. When you look at the top 20 most successfully financial films of all time, you've got three Fast and the Furious films and two Transformers films. Now, I wouldn't say that they particularly had very strong stories, but the thing is, is that it's a visual spectacle, and that's why people go and watch it. And the reason that people went to go and see Avatar was because it had groundbreaking, immersive 3D experience, which hadn't been done before, and that's why people went to see it. They didn't go and see it for the film, for the story. They went to go and see it for the experience. And when you take that context away from the cinema... What are you left with? A complete pile of shite. That's what you're left with. There are fundamental issues that I'm going to address. And then I'm going to look at the smaller ground level issues with the film. Right, the first one is the story. It's completely unoriginal. Alex covered on this before. It is so unoriginal and heavily plagiarized. Uh, like the, a man infiltrates an indigenous tribe, learns their ways, falls in love, and works with them to fight off the enemy. It sounds all too familiar. Like Dancing with Wolves, Ferngully, or Pocahontas. There have been multiple, multiple, multiple lawsuits against Cameron for plagiarism from screenwriters who say that they've sent James Cameron's scripts strikingly similar to Avatar, dating back as far as the 1990s. I mean, even if Cameron didn't steal these ideas, which it looks like he did, he, was, he heavily borrowed from other sources, uh, which results in a very unoriginal and lazy style over substance piece of work. If this is about Iraq or whatever Brucey was going on about before, uh, it, it's not a very... Uh, what environmental uh, message. About uh, 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 environmental message. It's not an original message from Cameron. I mean, it's, why is it so similar to other works? Why has there been so many lawsuits? I understand the symbolism, but it's not original in the slightest piece. It, it, this is just Cameron doing stuff for his own egotism. It's like watching Cameron fillet himself for three hours on screen. It's 
completely. That is quite an image you've painted there. It is a little different to seeing someone suck themselves off for, for three hours. Let's have like, a little less of the imagery, please. Right, okay, right. Okay, the se- second thing I wanted to talk about is the length. It is unnecessarily long, almost three hours, two hours 42 to be exact. Uh, I mean, it's okay for something like The Godfather Part 2, where every scene counts, but almost every scene in this is completely drawn out to the point of tedium. Several scenes of Jake exploring nature might look visually stunning but they are all drawn out excuses to show off the cgi which as the years go by will become less and less impressive and will emphasize just how poorly written these scenes actually are brucey said before that there was no wasted time i think every single time we're introduced to um pandora or to the navi everything is just drawn out so the audience can feel like immersed in the environment but as i was saying as the years go on and the CGI will become less and less impressive, you'll realise that the story itself just doesn't hold up. The dialogue, once again, very, very unoriginal. There's tired cliches of characters churning out uninspiring dialogue that, for the most part, is expository or reminiscent of something that a 12-year-old would write. I'll go into those characters in a bit more detail later on, uh, but I want to talk about the love story that runs throughout this film. It's absolutely paper-thin, which is very odd considering the film's length. The two star-crossed lovers from opposite warring factions, once again, screams unoriginality. The character's love has no real depths. As the majority of the film, it's based actually on lies. The fact that Jake isn't actually a a Navi, he's um, an avatar. And even as the film closes, Neytiri still doesn't know the true Jake. I mean, you could argue that the Navi Jake is the real Jake, but that is just a shallow conclusion of a superficial love story. The CGI is absolutely fantastic. That's undeniable. I can't say that it's, it's badly done because it is. There are some bits that aren't as good as they should be, right? but for the whole, it is absolutely fantastic. And at the time, very, very groundbreaking. But that's not a film should be solely about. A film should have a story, well-written characters, and it should evoke some sort of response. But this completely doesn't. In 2010, this was so well received and attended is because of the groundbreaking CGI. But eight years later, it's already looking a bit dated. And that's not because of technological advancements. It's because there's nothing else to the film except CGI. Brucey said before that the film won some Oscars for special effects. That's great. You know, but you know, you look at films like Suicide Squad, which probably won special effects awards. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. But uh, it was award, It was in the running for the best film, wasn't it? Uh, best picture at the Oscars. And it didn't get it. You know why? Because it's not a good film. It's not a good story. All the kind of big awards that it was nominated for, it didn't receive. I mean, I, I like to compare it to the Lord of the Rings films, which are even older than Avatar. Uh, and they were a massive CGI fest. But they're still being spoken about as some of the greatest films ever made because there were more to it than just special effects. There was a well-written story and characters, etc. And you look at Marvel films now, they can show you that you can create a massive, captivating film and have great special effects that are underpinned by a great story. Avatar just doesn't have that. If you want to see some interesting shapes move around the screen for a while, save your money and go to the planetarium. It's a hell of a lot more interesting and cheaper than watching Avatar. And I tell you what, you'll probably enjoy it more. Is it cheaper? Wow. How much is it at the planetarium? It's probably cheaper than bloody... I tried to buy Avatar on (laughs) on Amazon Prime and I was like, there's no way I'm paying that. I'm uh, pretty sure the planetariums have closed down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's free in the Liverpool Museum as well. Oh, that oh. bit's free. That bit's free. 
This yeah. this must be fascinating for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll, we'll work out a planetarium trip another day. Uh, Alex, would you like to rebut any of Gavin's uh, points? I'll be hugely brief. Um, you know, G- G- Gav's saying it's derivative and it's not original. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, borrowing ideas and being inspired by different films. The Pocahontas story and the Dancers with Wolf story, I don't know Fern Gully, but maybe it's the same. I, uh, I, they're, they're, that's a really good premise. He's saying that they do, adds nothing. I don't remember what, you know, it's been a while since I watched Pocahontas, but I don't think they have helicopters and bombs and the Navi. Oh, jeez. And it's Honestly, set, it's not and like it's, set, it's, and it's set on every a, well, single bit you, from Pocahontas. That, that, that is what it's he said. It's taken the bulk of the story. It's taken, it's taken it's, a premise from it. In the no, same it way, it's taken the, the majority the of the story and updated it to include well, helicopters. You, you, you could say then, you know, Magnificent Seven is the exact same because it's taken from Seven Samurai. You know, I, I don't it think is. there's anything wrong with being taken an idea. It's obviously updated it because, yeah, Pocahontas, I think the thing with Dancers with Wolves and Pocahontas is people can look back on it and go, well, we wouldn't do that now. Whereas Avatar's spin on that is saying, no, 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 we'd do it in the future. That, that is what humans are doing and will do. Also, um, you know, Gav says that, yeah, it was up for an Oscar and it didn't win, which means it's not a good film. Like, not every film that doesn't win the, the Best Picture Oscar is a bad film. I'm like, not saying it, that. I'm saying that this is a bad film and it didn't win the Oscar. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so basically I'm saying, yeah, you know, you could save it, borrowed it. I, when I watched Avatar, I was completely immersed in it. I think Gav, I, you know, he just didn't get into the, the, the feel of the world. I, 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 you know, I, I'm surprised he didn't because it's, it's an absolutely fantastic world. People felt kind of sense of withdrawal when they came out of seeing Avatar because it was so into this new world because that's the shown. technology though i mean yeah, they went to go and see it in a three like this is what the first film that actually used 3d not as a gimmick but as an immersive experience so when people went to see it they were surrounded by pandora and when you said they have because, withdrawal symptoms that's because of the way it was viewed but if you take the way the context if you just watched it as a film you don't get that i mean it what, might look what, visually stunning why, but why take away the context that's what david cameron made that cinema immersive experience so well done him that's that's amazing well done Cam- i've got to ask you a quick question because it's going to play on my mind if i don't cool. ask you this you said it's okay to take inspiration from things and to be influenced by cool. things when we did hateful eight i'm sorry to bring it up when we did hateful eight i said <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna, it will play on my mind if i don't ask now so i've got to give you a chance to, to nip this one in the bud i declared hateful eight as a, a love letter to westerns and, and its inspirations cool. and you said i'm sick of hearing this is a love letter this was inspired by this is in dedication to why can't you just make a good film that's a, that, that that's the difference between homages to film films and being inspired by a film i think he's he's drawn on inspirations from different stories i don't think he's saying this is a homage to dancers with wolves well when i say i don't like love letters i don't like it being kind of an ironic twist on a film uh, like like avatar is its own thing it's original yes it's taken ideas as art doesn't exist in the vacuum it's got to take ideas from somewhere so they're two different things from my mind okay i, hope, yeah. I will agree when bruce says it's not an homage because mm. it's not it's a carbon copy <laughs> Okay, okay. Thank you, gentlemen. That has sufficiently answered my points. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Austin and Joel, I'm going to need you guys to give me some context on this. Just to uh, briefly sum up, Alex says that the visual effects on this are superb. He said they, have nev- uh, they haven't been bettered since. Um, he says they use great motion capture. They give some decent performances, but I think we're going to hear more about that in a bit. He says what really is impressive is the immersive experience of the, of the land of Pandora that James Cameron's created and how it balances the alien with the familiar. Uh, he says 
there's a good message, and although there's a simplistic story, um, it's simplistic so as not to detract too much from the visuals and from the the, the, sen- the the basic theme, I suppose, essentially. Gavin Contrast says that the CGI actually already looks dated. Um, it's, a, it's Cameron's ego trip. And it's unnecessarily long. It's just drawn out excuses to display what was at the time good CGI and has been, as far as the story goes, has been the subject of multiple lawsuits and accusations of plagiarism. Um, Joel, would you like to give me some context on this first, please? Uh, Well, well, I think this was kind of a massive deal when it came out because of the amount, not only because of the CGI, but also because of the production time, I think. Didn't it take a massive amount of time to make? Four, four years, yeah. yeah. So uh, this was, I, th- I think this was the very first Blu-ray that I owned, and I didn't see it at the cinema. So I watched it at home for the first time on Blu-ray, and it does look absolutely amazing. And, and when you watch it again, it still hold, holds up very, very well. So I think the CGI is definitely up there with like today's standards. Uh, the story and like the love interest and all that type of stuff, I, I think it's just one of them things. You just may not watch the film and, and go with it. If you just overanalyze it all, um, then you could ruin, you could quite easily ruin a lot of decent films. And um, if you pick it apart, like I say, then it, there are kinds of obvious flaws and things like that. But I enjoyed it. It kept me entertained throughout. And um, I think I pretty much side with, with Alex for, for most of that. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Austin, similar questions. What do you think? I thought it was a. Uh, I thought it was incredibly shy. It was. It was just a, like an immersive experience. I watched it uh, for the first time at the weekend, and um, and again, so it's just on like the Blu-ray version, just like an Amazon Prime stream. Um, and yeah, I think it still holds up. It felt like uh, Charlotte came in like in the la- toward the last ten minutes, and I and I said to her, "Look, it's like watching a, an incredible video game." So you can tell it's you know it's, it's really obvious it's CGI. I think it's dated a little bit, but it's still. I can't. I don't think there's another film that's tried to do as much CGI as that since. And I guess part of it's because you know that's why it took so long. You know, massive attention to detail. Um, but yeah, I think I thought it was pretty good. You could you could see the data. You know, it's better CGI in more modern films, but then they mix it with you know real actors as well. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I thought it was just. I can't really. I can't really remember the story. And it, that obviously doesn't sound when did you great watch it? for the film. <laughs> it, was on, it was on Saturday night. And, um, and bearing in mind you've only seen about six right, films. <laughs> so, Let him speak. But I didn't uh, But yeah, I look back at it fondly already. You know, it was um, it was beautiful. It was a be- beautifully uh, seen. You know. It was, <laughs> yeah, I just watching Gav, ready Gav for has a, a comment to make. It's just, I'm happy he's putting his hand up. Now. Can, can, I, can I just ask both character witnesses if you take away all of the CGI from this film, is it a good film? <laughs> You've literally just got nothing if you take away the CGI. It's set on an alien exactly. planet if you took away the CGI. But I mean, that's no, no. If you replaced it with actual special effects, so well, that, that the film just wouldn't work it's not with the actual film. special it's effects. A different film. It'd be like having it's, aliens without aliens. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. Aliens use special effects. Yeah, but, like but, but aliens but used actual tangible yeah, but, effects but, but why would you take away the CGI like, no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, yeah. okay right if it wasn't as good right, so if it was a lesser version of the CGI but it is good that's the point but that's the thing that's it's only character and that can't be a film it's you not, you can't I would just say, say it's not it's only thing but it's still very good CGI it's like I don't know like having like Roger Rabbit or something having let's say in with a real Robert, rabbit yeah. like, a, like a puppet rabbit <laughs> yeah it just wouldn't work so I think you're getting a little bit caught up on the CGI aspect. 
Here we the, go. The, oh, what are you fucking <laughs> <laughs> the, the CGI was was immense. Yeah, it, it was, really it was, was good. brilliant. And it I was remember, absolutely amazing. But if you take that away from the nothing. film, there is actually nothing you, to you, it. You keep saying that, but why would you take it away? It's part of the film. It's like integral. No, that's it's the only part of that film. is the only part of the film. No. Okay, okay. We've established the CGI is great. That's a good point, but. I don't want to hear anything else about CGI yeah, now. Fair enough. Yeah. That is done. <laughs> so, Alex, back to you, I presume? Uh, no, I think Gav. I went first Gav's going time. next. <laughs> Alex D- D- didn't you want to say something about law? <laughs> didn't you want to say something about lawsuits, Brucey? No. <laughs> I, I wrote down an insult and Gav desperately wants me to say it. So I'm not, I, I am intrigued. <laughs> Brucey's written down the words, every successful film has a lawsuit, dickhead. <laughs> I did. I did. And I was going to say, I don't think every successful film does, for starters. And also, I don't think every successful film has six separate lawsuits against it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, fair point. Fair anyway, point. Anyway. But this is the most financially successful film ever. So it would get quite a lot of lawsuits. So everyone wants a piece of that, six, you're saying? Six seems quite low, actually, considering how much money it's made. <laughs> oh, but then it did cost a lot of money to make. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, I haven't heard anybody come forward about a Black Panther being plagiarised. All right, let's move on. Yes. <laughs> anyway, okay, right. So uh, I'm moving on to talking about the cast and the characters. Uh, the best films of all time offer more than just thrills and chills. They are underpinned by themes and lessons that are driven by the characters and internalised by their audience. The themes explored by Avatar are done in a typical Cameron heavy-handedness that they would be difficult to be conveyed by well-written characters, but that task is made almost impossible by the one-dimensional paper-thin caricatures that Avatar has on offer. Firstly, we've got Jake Sully, a good-hearted Marine who joins the Pandora program after his brother is killed. He is just an incredibly bland character. There's opportunities for him to develop, but he doesn't. There should have been more of him talking about his disability or why he replaced his brother or something that explored his relationship with his brother, maybe. His character goes from knowing absolutely nothing about Navi ways to becoming a Turuk Makto in absolutely no time, which is just completely unbelievable. His character... One thing that really pisses me off about this is that his character is the ultimate white savior. I mean, how many times have we spoken about white saviors uh, in films? And this is just like the absolute ultimate one. They need this white hero to come and protect them and basically kill all the enemies for them. And I don't think that Sam Worthington did a bad job. I just think that there was nothing for him to work with. Uh, As Alex said before, I think Alex was kind of underestimating how much this actually cost. I think it was closer to 500 billion. And the majority of 500 billion? Sorry, 500 million. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised wow. though. No, no, no. It was like, it was like somewhere between the two. I've heard the highest is, the right is like 280. No, no, I do. I, I, I've heard the highest was like closer to half. Can, a, can someone fact check this for me? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and it was so, the, the, what I was trying to say is the large portion of that was spent on special effects. So when it came to cast wages, Cameron uh, hired a number of unknowns or people who were working on a lesser budget. And I don't think that it was Sam Weddington necessarily giving a bad performance, even though this was his first proper big role. And, you know, subsequently... I don't know if he's done a great deal since then, to be fair, but that's nothing about him. I just don't think he had a lot to work with as a character. Neytiri, uh, Brucey mentioned about Zoe Saldana, she does give the best performance in it, but that is not saying much. Her character is absolutely paper thin once again. She is just there to fall in love and to be rescued. Her dialogue... She's a strong female character. She's a very strong female character. Her dialogue is terrible, uh, absolutely terrible. And she inexplicably learns the entire English language in about two hours uh, as well, which is just completely preposterous. Uh, Then 
I mean, those two are the sort of main two characters. They're the only ones that have any real time spent on development. The rest of them are just absolutely terrible caricatures. I said before, like a 12-year-old had written them. These are just like almost plucked out of thin air. We've got Stephen Lang, who just plays this bloodthirsty general. There's no rationale. There's no reasoning. There's no depth. He's incredibly one-dimensional throughout the entire thing. He has the worst dialogue of them all. It's almost like somebody's just done stereotypical marine talk and he's just written that down in dialogue. Lang is, don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a good actor and he's great at playing angry and scorned, but that's all that this is. There's nothing else to it in the film. It's just a very poorly written character. Then we've got Sigourney Weaver, this gentle and caring, determined scientist. Weaver is just so much better than this film. This film restricts her performance by giving her character cliched expository dialogue and just a very paper thin character that's just once again nothing to work with we don't get any sort of inkling about her motives at all then we have Giovanni Ribisi this obviously once again a stereotypical cowardly money orientated CEO who will stop at absolutely nothing to get what he wants there's no character depth at all there's absolutely nothing there why is is he doing this I mean I know it's to get this sorry I forgot to mention it before uh, precious unobtainium which is probably the worst thing that's ever come in in a film this is like struggling to think of what to call this precious metal or material let's call it unobtainium how how much closer to on the nose can we get but like there's no look into why he wants this there's no reason whatever there's no motives it's just a generic corporate bad guy you know it's just something that's been plucked right out of an 80s action film and with the exception of Jake and Neytiri, none of the characters go anywhere or develop at all. They're essentially the exact same at the end of the film as when we discovered them at the beginning of the film. And even Jake and Neytiri's development, sorry, that's air quotes there, is very steep and rushed. All of that falling in love, all of that getting to know each other and becoming like a, a Navi Supreme feels incredibly rushed when you look at the entire duration of the film we've got a lot of kind of nothing at the beginning and a lot of nothing at the end and then just kind of like 30 40 minutes of just wow here's a roller coaster of a relationship just forming before it falls ultimately flat again so i'd just like to say two characters who have some sort of development but it's it's terrible and then a bunch of horribly written caricatures very very poor okay thank you very much uh just go over to austin we got a, a fact checker in on the budget of Avatar. So, so the unadjusted for inflation and the the uh, universally acknowledged figure is two hundred and thirty seven million dollars. Um, if you adjust that for inflation, because it was made in two thousand and nine, that's two hundred and seventy million dollars. Okay, right, I'll take it back. Well, <laughs> well, thanks, man. I thought you were going to keep arguing that. So. <laughs> but it's still a fucking waste. <laughs> yeah, Harsh made words. That back. Harsh, he, cold words. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about characters here. Now, Gavin says that the actors themselves aren't bad. The performances necessarily aren't so bad. He says Zoe Saldana does a good job, Stephen Lang, Sigourney Weaver, but they are restricted by poor characters. Uh, the characters are not well written. He says Sam Worthington might give a bad performance here as well. And he says that the chemistry or the love story between him and Zoe Saldana is somewhat stilted. Uh, what's your take on casting characters? Uh, I, I disagree. I guess it goes back to a, a key point that me and Gav uh, argue, uh, like disagree on here. Gav's saying this is simple and, and, and shit. I say it's like clearly James Cameron put a lot of thought into this and it was like four years uh, of thinking about it. He's obviously thought very carefully that it's, it's it would be too challenging for an audience. You know, this is a film that is meant to uh, appeal to a wide, you know, audience. Like a lot of people, he wanted to get you know into the cinema. 
And what he wanted there was not to make it too challenging. So yes, the characters are simple, but again, I'm, I'm going to change that thing just because the simple doesn't mean the bad. So there's not many plot twists. There's not many, like a lot of, yeah, there's not huge character development. No, the, sorry, no, there is character development, but it's simple character development. It's not complex character development because it would be too challenging for the audience to take on board Pandora, all the visual effects, all of the different story they're doing if you had very complicated character arcs going on as well. I, I, just to say unobtainium, by the way, I know it's a, it's a very small point, but it's, it's obviously a shit name for something. <laughs> but it's also a bit of a sci-fi joke. It is, it is, it is common that things that are called uh, in a plot device, basically, um, a material in a plot device in a sci-fi thing is often called unobtainium. So it's not that he's just made up this terrible name. So it's the that sci-fi is, equivalent of a MacGuffin. Yeah, like it's a bit, yeah. So yeah. it's a bit of a joke, I think. Um, not a particularly it's a good joke, one. To be honest, mate, it it's not, it's, it's not a super one, but, um, Right, so I'm going to talk about the characters. Um, I thought Sam Worthington was really good in this. You know, I don't think Gav Saint-Ovid blew the budget on... If James Cameron wanted someone in this film, he would have made found the money. You know, he he, he spent an absolute ton of money on this. He's, if anything, good at finding funds to do what he wants. He's picked Sam Worthington, as he said in interviews, because he he didn't want him a, well, a very well-known actor. He felt if it was a very well-known actor, it would have been difficult for the audience to use him as a cipher. So that is what Sam Worthington's doing. I think he's, he's really likeable in this film. You're sort of with him at the start. You know, you don't need to explore the brother. You, you know, it, it's it's laid out there for you, and it's like I say, it's not too complicated because it can't be. I think Zoe Saldana said it before, so I won't go over it too much. She's just absolutely fantastic in this. Um, she doesn't learn English in two hours. She's learned it before because Sigourney Weaver set up a a camp before, and she, you know, she's taught English to the natives, but you know, relationships relationships have deteriorated. Gav had a go at Giovanni Ribisi. I love Giovanni Ribisi and I think he's fantastic in this film. I think the scene, there's some fantastic scenes in this film when you can't, you can't shake, your, <laughs> shake your head when I, I'm doing I don't it, like I'm Giovanni Ribisi okay, one well, bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say why he's good in this film. Okay. He's got a fantastic scene where Stephen Lang again really good in it is convincing him to you know to to basically call a strike on home tree you know where, where the Navi live and uh you know it, it's fantastic the, the words he's using they're very evocative words especially when we think about war today you know he's saying well, there'll be minimal casualties to the indigenous people it'll be very humane and Giovanni Ribisi has this real dilemma and you can see him just thinking no 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 and he just says right pull the trigger and do it and then later on, when he's sort of confronted with what's going on, it's a very good acting that you see him sort of like looking at it and seeing that actually the horror that he's unleashed, basically. So again, not very complicated, but very well done. Very, very uh, nice and simple. But then what happens after that? What do you mean? Well, there's nothing. This character doesn't go anywhere. Well, I, that is his character thing, isn't it? That he's so called l- Look at the, at the TV monitor and go, oh, <laughs> that's it. There's nothing. He, he, he does it better than Gav's just portrayed it. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, uh, Steve, I think the script is absolutely fantastic. There are some really great lines in it. You know, when Stephen Lang is, he, he, his performance is really good. Yes, it's, you know, I, I, it's quite a clear villain. There's not much good redemption to him. Again, simple character. That's all we could really, that's all the audience can really do when the, when the world is so well realised. You know, he says, um, our only security when he's, you know, getting the, the troops jacked up for going to war against the Navi, he's saying, our only security lies in preemptive attack. We've got to fight terror with terror and, you know, we've got to have a shock and awe campaign. You know, these are quite evocative words that they're using in the script, especially around that time, considering that this would have started being made in 2004, you know. These are words that would have meant a lot to the audience at the time. 
you know, and the, the characters, Gav's saying there's nothing to them. There's some amazing lines in this that just made the cinema. I was just going, oh, that's incredible, you know. And yes, I was well into the 3D experience, but that just added a level. When you hear um, Sigourney Weaver saying, the wealth of this world isn't in the ground, it's all around us, I was like, yes, that's an incredible message to have. Uh, it's, you know, I think uh, CCH Pounder's character say it's hard to fill a cup which is already full when it's talking about how the humans are coming and, you know, they've got, they can't learn from Manavi because they're just trying to give them education and roads. You know, very, you know, it goes back to colonial times, but it also thinks about present day as well. And when Sam uh, Worthington says, when people are sit, uh, sitting on shit you want, you make them your enemy and then you justify taking it from them. You know, that's clear parallels to what's going on today and what's gone in the past. So I, I think... The script is really well done. There is a message. It is simple. The characters sometimes are simple, but that's because it works in the film and it's powerful for it. Okay, thank you very much. I will come back to Gav for a rebuttal in a second, um, but I just want to ask Austin and Joel just to give me, again, a bit of context on this one. So Gav says that the characters are badly written. He goes back to the simplicity of the general storyline. Um, it, it didn't really lay into the performances too much, or the actors, more the characters that they were given to work with. Um, he says, unobtainium is a stupid idea, which uh, Alex kind of goes along with. Alex, can I just check the, the tree where the, the Navi live? What's it called? Uh, the home tree. I thought that's what you said. Thank the you. The great Deku tree. It's gone. Right, that's better. Thank you. It's not called Home Tree. Thank God for that. <laughs> so, yeah, we got... But Alex says that the characters are well-written. There is development, although it is admittedly simple, but deliberately so. Um, the casting was a deliberate choice. He's not been hampered by any budgetary restrictions. And there's a historical context within the writing of this, which is worth consideration. Uh, so cast characters writing. What's a CGI strip to agents? What do you think? Um... Like all the stuff Gav said, uh, I can possibly see his points, but when I was watching it, it didn't really matter. I just enjoyed it, to be honest, and um, I really did enjoy Zoe Saldana. I think every time I see her, like, I love her a little bit more, um, and I thought she was great in this. Um, Sam Worthington, I thought he did a decent job, like, for a relatively unknown actor, I thought he did, yeah, like, a, a decent job, as I say. I don't think he was anything special, but I don't think he was particularly poor, especially... Uh, to the extent where it would take you out the experience, which I think is like the key thing um, with a lot of with a lot of like the the unknown actors and yeah, you know I, I enjoyed it. Like I say, I'm maybe more easily pleased than than Gavin. I didn't really see it as like a white savior at all. I think fucking hell, Joel, come on, man. <laughs> well, I did, I didn't, and I think you've got to look at it very critically to see it like that personally. But um, yeah, that's my that's my view. Thank you very much, Austin. What do you think? Um, on the white saviour thing, I mean, he, he hits all the all, all the barriers, but I think it came out. It's, you know, it's two thousand and nine. It was before it was only as around about that time where people started noticing that sort of thing. It's just part of the same old trope. Um, so yeah, me watching it on Saturday, yeah, I saw that, but it, I don't think it detracted from it. Still, it's a you know, it's a pretty pleasant story. I, I agree with Alex that the characters don't. I mean, both of them say the characters don't evolve much. But there's some evolution. I texted you guys when I was watching it about the um, about uh, Zoe Saldana learning English, you know, almost instantly. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it is explained later on in the film, so it's you know it's not too big a it's not too big a shock. You know, I think if I'd have been watching it in the cinema, I probably would have nudged someone like, "What the fuck? How does she learn English instantly?" <laughs> you know, she's only been around him for a few few minutes. But um, so yeah, so it's explained. You know, the 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 woman gets back in. At times it did feel rushed, though. Like I've said, it 
it did rush through some sections. You know, you get these beautiful CGI areas where they're really showing off uh, how great we are with computers. And, you know, look at this fantastic tree, this glow up, glowing tree scene. And then some of the character, um, the actual relationship stuff was rushed. But uh, it didn't feel, that, you know, kind of secondary to the rest of the you know, the stories, really, that they're going to blow up the fucking tree and, <laughs> and, you need to, and someone needs to do something about it. Yeah. So um, th- that love, you know, the love interest was secondary, really. But there was, uh, I agree with bits of both. You know, right. it, was, it was light on character arc, and but there was lots of good set pieces and it all fits together relatively nicely. So, Okay. Okay. Um, just before we go to closing arguments, Gav, you weren't here to do a rebuttal. Just quickly, is is there any point that wasn't going to be in your closing argument that you do want to set the record straight on? Mercifully quick, if you could. <laughs> I know. I just, I'd like to counter everything Alex said. He, he, Alex even, <laughs> <laughs> Alex even point admitted by point. Yeah. Yeah. Alex even admitted that the plot is derivative and that the dialogue's clunky and you know the characters don't really go anywhere. Inspired. So, uh, I don't think I said those. Words. A general brief, brief rebuttal there. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> well, closing general bullshit. <laughs> closing arguments, gentlemen. Who would like to go first? You got one minute. Gavwood. Gav. Uh, I'm gone. <laughs> so it's getting the, the gong ready no worries no worries <laughs> there we go there you go take it away mate one minute okay <laughs> right, this film is not a film it's a cgi fest a very beautiful cloak but when you peel away the layers there's no substance it's like a shiny and expensive lunchbox that's crammed full of dog shit it's an unoriginal story Cameron actually stated in an interview with the LA Times that it's essentially dances with wolves in space. Cameron said that himself. It's carried horribly by really, really weak written characters, and it's peppered with awful dialogue, drawn-out scenes, and an overly long film. It's the highest-grossing film because of the groundbreaking at the time CGI, but it's not in any of the respected best-of lists, and that's because it's classic Cameron over indulging in style over substance. As the years go on, more and more better, well-written CGI-heavy films will come along that will continue to expose the many flaws of Avatar and leave viewers wondering why this ever became the highest grossing film of all time. Okay, thank you very much. Well within time as well. Grand full of dog shit. <laughs> Hang on, that was outside of time. No, that was a little... I need shit. Strike that from the record. Okay, okay. And take the thing off, Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs> you go to town, Ozzy. You enjoy yourself with those sound effects. Alex, you got one minute. Okay. Defend. Yeah. Dave, you asked at the start, like, why should this film be revered? I would say maybe you shouldn't revere this film. I don't think that's quite the way to look at Avatar. Just enjoy it. Just get into it. Just immerse yourself in that beautiful world and really get into it. You know, you're really going to get into the stories. I think you can get a hell of a lot out of the story. I think you can get a hell of a lot out of the script. I think you can get a real lot out of the themes as well, which bring up wars today, wars in the past, colonial times. I'm kind of staggered. I'm quite surprised Gav doesn't like it. It ticks a lot of the box of things that he'd really love. It's an absolutely beautiful, beautifully created film it deserved that those two oscars for visual effects and for cinematography so no dave don't revere this film just watch it get into it love it have a fun it's a blockbuster film with a really good point a strong environmental message that will stand up and should be stood up for ever <laughs> nice and there's your time i apologize alex i couldn't write down a word you said because the cat is sat on my notes <laughs> But I will Got try and remember that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I've actually got a lot to consider. I'm genuinely 
I, at this moment in time, I genuinely don't know which way I'm going to go on this one, so I'm really going to have to think about this. Okay, so while Dave is thinking, I think it's time for our weekly quiz. And this week, very, very special quiz we've got, because this is the first quiz that's going to be written and delivered by our good friend Joel. Hello, Joel. How are you feeling about this, mate? Well, you know, the moment everyone's been waiting for us here. <laughs> if, you, if we just put a marker about where the quiz is, we can, you know, people can just skip the rest of it. But the, we, we've split this up into into two sections. So the first section is only four questions, and I couldn't think of a name, so I've called it "Above Me" or "Blow Me." <laughs> yeah, that's that's a Joel okay. quiz. Um, <laughs> I was going to say you're talking about yeah, Cameron again in this film. <laughs> Well, so Avatar, as one of you mentioned, is the highest grossing film of all time with 2.7 billion. So all you have to do in this quiz is tell me which one out of these two grossed higher. So the first one, and these are all in the top, I think 30 or 40 grossing films of all time. So the first one is Zootopia or Despicable Me 2. Ooh, so, me too. Uh, we'll start with we'll start with Dave and sorry. go around. Just because I've noticed there's a pattern with sequels tending to do better than the originals, I'm going to say maybe Despicable Me too. Okay, we Dave. know your answer, <laughs> Gav. I'm going to say Zootopia. I'm going to do Despicable Me as well. Okay, the answer is Zootopia. Ooh. Oh wow! With one billion twenty-three million. Despicable Me 2 came in with a shitty 970 mil. <laughs> uh, Pocket no, change. Number two, Iron Man 3 or Captain America Civil War? Oh, God, Civil oh I, I think Civil War. Sorry, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's Iron Man 3. Ozzy. I'm going to say Civil I want it to be Civil War. <laughs> yes. So it's Iron Man 3 oh, with 1.2 billion. Civil, yes! Civil War wow. came in with 1.15 billion. Ooh. Wow. So, number three, Furious 7 or Gav's favourite Jurassic World? Okay, no. <laughs> I think maybe Jurassic World. Yeah, same. Gav? Yeah, it's, it's um, definitely Jurassic World. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, so Jurassic World, 1.6 billion, Furious 7. Pretty close, 1.55 billion. Uh, so, number four, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace or Rogue One? Oh, is this adjusting for inflation or not? Uh, yep. It is. Um, uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Rogue One? Uh, Phantom Menace. Yep, so the answer is Rogue One. Oh, oh wow. Oh, yeah. One billion, fifty-six million, and Phantom Menace, one billion, twenty-seven million. Failure. So wow. the second part of the quiz is a little bit different. You're not getting multiple choices, and this part is called Blue Balls. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So we've got uh, five questions and a bonus question, which is extremely hard. Um, so number one, other than that's extremely hard now. <laughs> other than Luke and Anakin Skywalker, name two other people in the Star Wars universe that have blue lightsabers. Obi Wan. Obi Wan. Yeah, Obi Wan for sure. Yeah. Um, blue lightsabers. Obi Wan and Ray. 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 Yeah, there you go. There's two. Is yeah. that is that real though? Because isn't Ray's lightsaber just Luke's? It's Luke's, Luke's yeah. Yeah, but I said uses Luke's, blue yeah. lightsabers. Oh, okay. Yeah, come on, as you get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so number two, you uh, thought that one through. Yeah, although yeah, um, Thanos is kind of purple, he wears a blue costume. But what alias does he go by? Um, blue Man Group. Blue Man Group, correct. Oh, uh, no. the, oh the, the blue meanie. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Bolchin. Nobody knows. I had no idea. Bo- Grimace. Bollock face. Uh, the, the, the answer is the Mad Titan. Oh, shit, oh, yeah, we knew that. I yeah, didn't yeah, know that, actually. Yeah. I don't think he calls himself that, does he? He wouldn't it call himself the, Mad. It is <laughs> yeah. in the film. 
Um, like King, King George the Third. Okay, the, I'm, the, the, I'm the mad king. <laughs> this one it, it, it is a little bit difficult, but how many people are eaten by sharks in deep blue sea? Oh, the, the first one. Uh, yeah, deep blue. That's why I said deep blue sea and not Eight. deep blue sea too. <laughs> I thought you meant the like deep blue sea universe. <laughs> Eight is. I'm going to no, say no. five. I reckon about three or four. Seven. Four. Four. Okay, well, I'm going to give a point to both Alex and Dave because there are only five officially eaten by sharks, Ooh. but eight deaths are caused by sharks. I was, right. I was thinking, well, yeah, like, what's, what's the eighth one? Well, Somebody like, sees a shark, a shark falls over and bangs their head. There's, like, there's, there's helicopter there's, pilots yeah, that get killed. Scene. There's the woman in the control tower that gets blown up. It's like, yeah, did, um, I've, I've seen that Dave, how do you know this? <laughs> I've seen that. should have that much knowledge about Just Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue sea I've seen that film way too many times. <laughs> okay, so next, yet, next one. Avatar only once. There's good reason. Next one. Deep Blue Sea's special effects will hold up more in musical <laughs> Tom Sizemore made his film debut in which picture obviously blue is the clue um, uh, blue steel correct wow <laughs> yeah that's right I know my Tom Sizemore films <laughs> what is the name of the blue power ranger oh Billy Billy yeah Billy Billy, Billy. Billy Cranston well Dave. done yep um <laughs> No, nobody's gonna, <laughs> nobody's giving me any points for a second. I don't, I don't even know if that's correct, mate. You could have said Billy, it is, it Billy, is Billy, Billy, Billy Cranston. Yeah, it's because in, in the animated series originally it was voiced by Brian Cranston, so they did a little tip of the hat. Mm-hmm. Oh. So um, Squirtle's final form is Blastoise, but <laughs> what, what is form two? Um, oh, I do know this. What the fuck is, oh, is this? Pokemon? It's, uh, it's, it's uh, Wartle. Wartle. A big blue oh. rabbit. Dave's, Dave's running away with it. And this is the bonus question. And whoever gets the closest answer is the winner of the entire quiz. Great. Oh, hang on, hang on. What do we get? What's the prize? The winner of the um, quiz. We'll told you discuss now. this off air. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, so, to the nearest hundred hundredth hour. 268 Sony picture image workers employees spent animating the Smurfs, the movie. To the 100th hour. To the nearest 100th hour. So I'll give you a clue. It's, it's a shit ton of hours. <laughs> 3,200. Oh, it's um, going to be one. 4,600. How many hours are in a year? I'm going to say 240,000. So rem- remember, there's, two, wow. there's 268 people working on it. How, how long did they spend animating okay, the Smurfs okay. movie? 8.4 billion. Okay, yeah, I no, think, I'm going to up my answer. I think answer. it's going to be... Okay, so, yeah. I reckon it's... How long did it take to make it? 978,000... I'm going to say, say 96,800. I'm going to say 4,695,360 hours. Have you just fucking Googled that? No, I just used my calculator. <laughs> what, are you, what are you going with, Boosie? Uh 8.4 billion. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so the answer is 348,000 hours. All right. Hey. I think that's Gav. Yeah, that's yeah well done. That's Gav, yeah. So although your answers were all pretty piss poor, to be fair. <laughs> What's my prize? Uh, like I said, we'll discuss it in your bedroom, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say none of us have ever animated a Smurf in our no. lives. <laughs> Okay, I've thank you very to, much, Joel. One there. Does that <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Joel. That was good fun. Uh, okay, Jesus, this is actually one of the trickiest decisions I've made while I've been judge on this. Normally, I've got a vague idea what I'm going to do, but I, <laughs> yeah, I think I've I think I've reached a decision. Okay, so just to recap, CGI we all accepted was very good, but Gav's kind of major point was CGI alone does not a movie make and 
Alex said there's a lot going on aside from that. There's, there is some character development, which Gav said there wasn't, although he says it's some plastic character witnesses backed him up on that. Says it's there. It is simple. Um, Gav said that James Cameron has plagiarized many works before this. And Alex has said, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little inspiration. Um, <laughs> and to be, to be fair, that was, uh, that was fair. That was fair. Uh, Alex also mentioned the historical context of the whole thing, which I thought was a little on the nose at the time, to be honest with you. I was aware of that historical context because it did hit you like a sledgehammer. It wasn't subtle. And I did think it was a little overdone. Um, Gav said that it was really, it, it, in a nutshell, Gav's argument was style over substance. And some of the bits of the writing I've heard from Alex, uh, some of the quotes, some of them were quite good. Some of those quotes didn't really inspire me, though, I will admit. And the, the uses of words such as, you know, unobtainium and things like that, you know, this is this lazy writing. But what has actually swung this for me and what actually made my decision is that the character witnesses were in Alex's corner on this one. And I have not seen this film for some time. Like, like a guy who's seen oh, six God. films, Dick. Like a guy whose favourite film Dave. is Jurassic World. You know what I mean? You're going to take their opinions on that. D- Dave often does this in judgment. So you think he's going one way and he goes the other. It's not done yet, Gav. In the end, <laughs> it's going on the hit list. Hey, I'm sorry, hey. Gav. Don't be sorry. <laughs> I actually have to say I agree with a lot of what Gav said, but what ultimately swung it for me is me having to take my own thoughts out of the equation and having to listen to character witnesses who were, I have to say, kind of in Alex's corner on this yeah. one. So I had to go with what I was given with, uh, given the work with. I, you, you still can't get over Tree of Life, can you? Yeah, you can't get it, over He is eight. as much to blame for Tree of Life as you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a hateful eight on my one, Gav. Okay, okay, genuine opinions. Uh, Brucey, do you have as much of a boner for this film as you were stating? Yeah, massively do. Really like this film. Just a, a, a great film to watch. Really enjoy it. Glad it's out there. Also, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, it is an incredibly popular film. I don't think it's just down to the CGI as well of the immersive experience. I think in China, they, they, they found out what some of their mountains were an inspiration for the Hallelujah Mountains in Avatar. So they genuinely changed the national park, name of the national park. You know, it, it just smashed records globally. So it's a, it's a phenomenon and I'm, I'm glad it's on the hit list. Okay, my uh, genuine opinion is, yeah, I was pretty true to my points there. I think it's a complete waste of time. Um, I I do think that it is a massive CGI fest. And when you take away that immersive 3D experience, if it was just on Channel 4, like, you know, tonight, and I sat down to watch it, I don't think I would be as immersed in that as if I went to go and see it in the cinema, watching it in 3D. And I think, as I said, in years to come, like that technology is going to advance a hell of a lot more and there's going to be better films that are going to kind of highlight how weak the story and the characters actually are. But, you know, I kind of said that before, didn't I? Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, uh, okay, I, I imagine everybody else's opinions were quite genuine as well. So um, without further hesitation then, higher or lower than Watchmen? Mm. Higher. 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 Higher? Yeah. Okay, right. So just to say that Watchmen had 7.6. Anybody like to change their answer? No, still uh, higher, I think. Bit higher, not much, but a bit higher. I don't get it, but this film does seem to have a general consensus of being good. 9. I'm going to go for 8.9. Oh, 8.9, no. friggin' hell no 8.4. 7.9. 7.8, so Ooh. just 0.2 more than Watchmen. Mm. Um, which I did rewatch, by the way, Dave, last yeah, week. And yeah. I think I made the right call. Good, I'm pleased to hear that, yeah. man. <laughs> okay, uh, so... Before we call a close to the show, I think it's time for the caption contest. 
So every week I take a snippet or a screenshot of the film and I put it out there for our friends and followers to add a caption to. So this week I've taken a scene from Avatar in which Jake, I think, is just kind of using his Avatar body for the first time and he's run out onto a court and there's two uh, other people um, in there navi avatars playing basketball so we've got a few comments here all you guys have got to do is to decide which of these captions is the funniest and wins a froggletty chocolatey frog shaped treat (laughs) (laughs) and a wasabi kicker (laughs) (laughs) wasabi kicker okay right uh, number one uh coach carter regrets his decision to take the private tutor job for the cookie monsters offspring (laughs) Uh, number two Space Jam 2 has a whole new look for the Monster Squad. (laughs) Number three, quite similar. You can see why these guys were cut from Space Jam. They really developed the aliens for the actual film. (laughs) Uh, Experimental Smurfs get first taste of freedom. (laughs) Uh, In West Pandora, born and raised. In the Blue Skin Avatar, that's where I spent most of my days. (laughs) And I, I think that's that's it, to be honest. Um, so, which one of those? Oh, uh, got to be Fresh Prince. It's yeah. got to be the Fresh Prince one. That's very well done. Oh, actually, no. There's oh. there's one more. There's oh. one more. Oh. It's going to oh. have to be really oh. good now. Uh, no, actually, I, actually, it was for something else. No, that's that's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, congratulations, uh, Craig. Uh, das Cra- Craig. Oh, das Craig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, so well done. You got yourself another Freddo. And a wasabi kicker. <laughs> and, and a wasabi kicker. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, just to say while this show has been on the air we have pulled out of the hat at random our next film to be put on trial and that film is going to be shadow of a vampire which coincidentally was uh, suggested to us by craig um, who's just won the caption contest so tune in next week to hear which list the film is going to be placed on we've also picked the roles out of the hat at random and in the role of defense we've got joel uh, in the role of prosecution, we've got Dave. In the role already of already going to be a much friendlier, <laughs> lighter episode. Yeah, there was definitely no handshakes this time round. <laughs> uh, in the role of judge, we've got Alex, and in the role of character witnesses or witney, we've got myself and Austin. So, just a big, big thank you to everybody who has listened to our show so far. We just want to say thank you as well because this week we realised that our show has slowly but surely crept into the top one hundred listened to podcasts in film and tv on itunes so we just want to say a massive thank you to everybody that has checked us out so far and you can listen to all of our shows on itunes while you're there why not give us a five star rating because you know you want to and also you can check us out on our website which is filmsontrial.co.uk you can get all of our past content and our future stuff there Maybe next time we should say give us a five star rating before the podcast. Go and do it now. I know. To be honest, if they're massive fans of Avatar, they're surely going to give us a five star rating here. Maybe not me personally, but the show itself, <laughs> maybe five stars. But okay, check us out on Twitter at Film Trials. Suggest us a film and we will put it into our fictional hat to be drawn out at random. And uh, also, while you're there, why not check out our frequent collaborators and friends, Winston Sang and Austin Ray at the underscore quirks and at aussie ray our graphic designer slash artist and our music producer respectively there also check us out on youtube instagram and facebook films on trial so i think it's time to call it a close avatar has made the hit list and will be in your ears next week with shadow of vampire thank you very much everyone and goodbye (laughs) 